This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. I would like to welcome Kit Green. They're an Olivier award-winning English writer and performer. Their work covers comedy, cabaret, theatre and live art. You might know them for their characters Tina C or Ida Barr or their work on Radio 4. So, Kit, welcome. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing well today. It's nice to talk to you in this way. It's funny, isn't it? Look at us being grown up on your podcast. I know, I know. (laughs) Really exciting for me because I get to ask questions. You just chat on about what's happening now and you you don't always go into the deep stuff in in that moment in time. Well, a little bit of structure is often a fun way of of getting into some things. Give us some structure. I know how amazing you are at organisation. So, (laughs) talking about organising thoughts... How did you sleep last night? I slept very well, which is a skill that I seem to have at the moment. But even so, one of my big things in this whole area is that waking up early, I think I always wake up early. And the only difference is sometimes I can will myself back to sleep and comfort myself back to sleep. And sometimes I can't. This morning, I put myself back to sleep at 5.30 or or 6 o'clock. How did you do that? Um, I have done some work about this over the years. And I I discovered years ago, you might already know this, but there's an old folk tradition called the Orbad which it must be a French word. And it's like a lullaby for the early morning. And it is where a child wakes up, which we know children wake up too early and you, you sing them back to sleep because, you, because it's, it's too early for them to, to wake up, you know. I mean, we've all, we've all got up at 6am with children going, oh God. Yeah, but where's the, the button you, for CBBs? <laughs> yes, exactly. We do, you do that and then it gets to 9am and you're like, oh my Lord, I've been up for three days already, surely. This is a very specific thing is where, where you sing a lullaby to a child to lull them back to sleep because it's before the dawn. And I heard about it in um, a June Table song, which is called Orbad, and it starts Sleep on Child, It's Not Yet Dawn. And it's a really beautiful song. A few years ago, I wrote myself one because I taught myself that skill. So if I wake up in those early hours, I sing myself back to sleep or I breathe myself back to sleep. What does it sound like? This morning lullaby, I absolutely adore that idea it's it's brilliant it's such a lovely idea isn't it and we and we need it there are times you know in our lives where well we probably all need it there are certainly times when you're ill when you're restless when you're distressed the idea that somebody would sing you back to sleep and say come on there's another three hours i actually got it in front of me when there's a the little chorus is go back to sleep it's not dawn yet three deep breaths it's not dawn yet uh, repeats through and through but i think sometimes i can't do it like i say and sometimes i use an external force like listening to radio three and then putting the sleep timer on so i'll listen to that for 25 minutes and then i never hear it switching itself off or the world service or something something like that and sometimes I can do it for myself so anyway I did that this morning and got an extra couple of hours and then woke up going mm, now it's time to get up well you've turned me on to something I'd never heard of before and I love June table so so where are you sleeping tonight <laughs> I'm sleeping at home and I have you can picture this but I have my bedroom which is in the converted attic and when it's windy which it was last night it's too noisy so I go and sleep in the spare room and I feel very sort of luxurious going 
mm, I'm tired now. Which bed shall I sleep in? <laughs> I mean, I'm annoyed because it's too noisy because the people that did the roof didn't do it properly. So the tiles are loose. So there's a partly, there's a lot of irritation or there's a bit of irritation, but then there's a sense of luxury. So I don't know which bed I'll be sleeping in, but one of those two. Is the spare one my room? Yeah. Can you just call it my room from now on? It's your, it's your room as uh, can be attested by the fact that there is a plaque. It's called the KW suite. <laughs> Can you sleep anywhere? I used to be really, really good at sleeping anywhere. And I think it's an essential skill for a performer if you're performing a lot, which I used to. And by choice, I've decided to perform less. So I really was able to sort of go, done a sound check, it's 6pm, I don't need to start getting ready till 7 and could literally fall asleep on the floor or, you know, in a chair. And I I trained myself to do that. And I don't think I could do that anymore. In those backstage rooms where it's really bright. Yeah, exactly. And people coming in all the time and, you know, and people arguing outside. I used to do it, I think, because I needed to. But then that was just part of that that life that I used to live, which you understand very well, where you're like, you're on a plane at nine o'clock in the morning and then you you get to a hotel, you can have a rest for half an hour and then you go and do a sound check and then you've got an hour or two hours to rest. And, you know, you're just constantly managing... Exhaustion, I think, and pre-show nerves and post-show nerves and all of that. But now, this is post-pandemic, really. I, I sleep really regularly, like all the advices. Put yourself to bed early, sleep as long as you can, go back to sleep for another couple of hours, and then you wake up going, oh, now I'm not tired. Who knew that was possible? <laughs> so is this the longest time you've been in one place because of lockdown? Yes, COVID? for sure. Or oh, since I was a child, certainly. It's, it's a funny sort of um, begin again to be in one place and to realise how easy life is not living out of a suit yeah absolutely there's a lot and of course that's what the advice always is eat regularly sleep regularly exercise regularly shower reg- you know all these things they're all good for us balance is good for us <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so is excitement and being out of routine that sleep wise it's been very beneficial I was going to say COVID is good for us, but uh, that's not true because you had it really bad, didn't you? I've got long, uh, I've got long COVID or diagnosed with long COVID. And actually, the reason I know I'm a lot better for it is that since the summer, I have stopped sleeping, needing to sleep during the day, but I was needing to sleep during the day. Yeah. So since last summer, I haven't. So that's, that's how I know that I'm recovering. Thank goodness. Yes, it's not. <laughs> that, that side of it was not a great advantage. And I know you were sleeping in the day because of like not feeling great. That napping in the day can feel like a luxury or it can feel like you're wasting time. Yeah, and I think for me there was always a sense um, all all my life really that I think sleeping during the day is a little bit dangerous. Look at me supersizing it and giving it jeopardy. But it's a little bit dangerous because you never know whether you're going to wake up going, hmm, nice or whether you're going to wake up in a really irritable bad mood. Do do you know what I mean? (laughs) And I think it was just not predictable which way I would go. So you'd wake up after an hour going now I hate everybody and myself <laughs> um, or you go oh nice mm, that was nice I don't love it and I certainly don't miss it and I'm glad I don't need it anymore so do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone <laughs> I don't mean the funny business I mean the sleeping the sleeping yeah um, I absolutely do now prefer sleeping alone I have been single for two year, two and a bit years really before that most of my adult life I was in a relationship and um, so that's a massive, massive change. And now I absolutely can't imagine sleeping with anybody else. Do you know that uh, Joan Bakewell wrote a book called The Centre of the Bed or The Middle of the Bed? 
Has anybody else mentioned that? I think it's called The Middle of the Bed. I've read it so long ago, like 20 years ago, but she, she talks about how she got to a point in her life where she was suddenly single and then she moved from sleeping on one side of the bed to the middle of the bed. And then she realized that she would never go back. And I really feel like that. Like I absolutely take up the center of whatever bed I'm in. Whereas I think when I was traveling and I was in, you know, married, I would I would always still sleep on one edge. Like, you know, like there was a ghost partner lying next to me. But now in the middle, no way can I compromise on that. So when you were married, did you did you have like sides of the bed or did, you know, was yeah. there like, like routinely sort of set in that way? Set in that way. And we had this very particular thing, which was I was always too hot and he was always <laughs> just cold. And so like, uh, it would be perpetually like, why are you so hot? And I'm like, I'm just me. He's Danish. And there was always this, they have summer duvets and winter duvets. And it's very strict when you swap from one to another. It's like snow tires. And, and I was basically always advocating for a summer duvet all year round. And in the end, we just went for winter, having a duvet each, basically. Oh, like a, a single one on the double bed? Um, yeah, well, each, because we were just deeply incompatible in that way, <laughs> of which no more shall be said. But these things are very, very particular. Like, why do we just assume that because you really like someone or you really love someone that you could then go to be able to sleep with them all night? Like, your bodies are, you know, compatible in that way. Yeah, I suppose it's better to be compatible awake. Absolutely, if there was a choice. It, would that be a really brilliant relationship? Like you couldn't stand each other, but you were really great at sleeping. That would be <laughs> like a night partner and a day partner. Yeah. Oh my god! Well, that's an interesting. That's a sort of way of being polyamorous. They're really good at putting up shelves, but they snore. Uh, but a division of labour, I'm all for. I mean, uh, without going into too much detail, I think I am arranging a division of labour at the moment. <laughs> I allocate separate tasks. Well, this brings me on to the next question. Spoon, cuddle or space? Oh, well, at the moment, space, for sure. I mean, I like physical contact, just not for eight hours. <laughs> if I was to ask myself that question, I just think it would be those three things in order. Yes. Well, that's. I love that kind of married person's retreat where you sort of, you know, you start off really close and then you sort of do the little edge away and then you do the, the, the over however long. It could be quite quick once you know, get to know each other. Mmm, intimacy. Mmm, you're close, but you're not really close. And then now we're at separate ends of the bed because we need to go to sleep. I'm facing the wall and I do not want to hear from you again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, until 9am. Thank you. <laughs> and it's so different from that sort of Hollywood. Couples are always like entwined with each other and limbs everywhere. And you're all, you know, going to sleep on with your head on someone's chest all night. Right. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> well, we sort of touched on this question. Do you sleep through? Do you manage to get a full night's sleep? I don't think I do ever sleep all the way through now. And I think that's why I must have done in the in the old days. I think when I was drunk, I used to, but then in a really sort of like unhappy sleep. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I would sort of like be slightly comatose. I think now I just don't. You know, all that stuff that we, people have been talking about recently about how a thousand years ago, we used to have two sleeps with a with a little wake up bit in the middle. I think it's probably a ridiculous expectation to sleep all the, all the way through when you're not a toddler. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not a, a little child. And I quite like these moments now where I sort of check in with myself at whatever time. If I'm depressed, I tend to wake up like at four a.m. And if if I'm not, it tends to be sort of like more like half five six. And obviously, then that changes with the seasons as well when the yeah. light's creeping through. I think my favourite sleep-related 
pleasures are when you sort of wake up and it's dark and then you go, it may be 11pm and I've only been asleep for 20 minutes or it may be 7.30, and in which case I've managed the whole night. And then you, and then, then you go, what time is it? And then it's like, oh, it's 7.10. I've made, I've done it for a whole night. <laughs> that kind of feeling is so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes think that people sort of put to bed, it's almost like society wants to tidy people away so that they mm. can just know there's nothing going on for a bit. <laughs> you know, it's like putting yes. all the toys in the box. Yeah, that's true. I wrote this... This uh, sitcom that nearly got made for telly, it went really long way. And I do I do feel sad about it from time to time because I think it was good and lots of people thought it was good. And it was called Awake and it was about a group of people who lived in a big converted house in, in London with like eight flats in it. Two people started, who, who were both insomniacs, would start coming out onto the stairs. So the whole thing was set on the stairs. Then various things happened and it was only ever shot in that one location. Yeah, I really liked, because I think I was sleeping really badly at the that phase and I just like the fact that these people were subverting the expectation they it was sort of they began to see themselves as deeply radical not as failures because they couldn't sleep they saw themselves as sort of rebels against society so they became a, a sort of like uh, insomniac gang yeah I should dig it out it's probably better in my memory but it would anyway. be a really great theatre piece like a studio theatre piece wouldn't it yeah it maybe and I think maybe it was ultimately a bit too theatrical because of um, because of the one location and stuff but anyway we've all got all those unmade things in, in a blow the dust out. Duck it down. yeah update the references <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Cross out J Lo. Put in some. Yes, exactly. Well, J Lo's still around. I mean, J Lo's new movie. Uh, yes, but change uh, changing rooms to uh, Netflix. That kind. Of. Do you write and work better in the daytime or at night? I in the daytime now. I used to do lots in the night, but that's because I think I was working too hard and not sleeping very well and not turning my. I think I didn't have the capacity to turn my brain off. I think I wasn't very good at self-soothing. Twenty years ago, I would have said that I wrote best things in the middle of the night or in the early hours, but I don't think that was true. I think I just just hadn't learned the ability to say to my brain. Thank you very much. What a lovely idea. Not now, which is what which is what I do. That self soothing self talk. What a brilliant idea. No. So so during the day. I need that as a sort of text message ping so that if somebody texts me in the night it can just go what a fantastic idea. Sorry, not now. Yes. Well, also, I mean, we all need that sort of self-soothing, don't we? So you know, so you can go, well, it's true. I may die alone and friendless, but um, it's not worth thinking about now. Do you know, um, one of my favourite songs at the moment is by Muna. Have I talked to you about Muna? It's no. a great uh, band, American band. They've got a, a song called Number One Fan, and it starts with the brilliant line, uh, so I heard the bad news. Nobody likes me and I'm going to die alone in my bedroom looking at strangers on my telephone which is a killer opening and then it goes well wouldn't you like me to believe that so it's basically a song to to their internal monologue and then the chorus is or I can look at myself in the mirror and go hey babe you're great I'm your number one fan it's a great great song and I just love the idea that that's why do our brains wake us up and go by the way you're hopeless and rubbish (laughs) and we just need the ability to go thank you very much for that input I'm going to choose to ignore that until it gets light. Yeah, do you need a biscuit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shall we, shall we nip downstairs and have some cornflakes? Yeah, a cup of tea and a biscuit. I think you're a bit low. You're a bit low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even, shh, go back to sleep.
which is what which is what I definitely do. So you have your working and your writing career. Your working performing is much more an evening sort of thing. If you go on tour or something, does that does your schedule just sort of move and shift? Do you do you adjust? Is it almost like different country time? <laughs> yeah, I mean jet lag. Yeah, I mean what I, as I've alluded to, I don't I've done lots of sort of thinking about performing in the last sort of five six years and really gently coming to the conclusion that that's just one thing I can do and it's not and just because I'm good at it doesn't mean to say that's what I should do all the time I think I got seduced by by the fact that performing seems important somehow and if you can make lots of people laugh or like what you're doing then then that's what you should be doing whereas I think it's something I should be doing from time to time and I think fundamentally as you say I'm I think I'm just unsuited to it because I really don't work I don't function well after certainly not after 9 p.m <laughs> you know I, I really wind down like it's a really big process for me to sort of be firing on all cylinders you know really I should have had a performance career where I perform at sort of 9am that would be perfect for me um, teacher and I think especially at yeah exactly let's start them um let's start that circuit for example in Edinburgh so I did Edinburgh Festival for so many years I, I would I would do shows at 11pm you know in big venues and it's like how on earth did I do that you know it was like it was so antithetical to my nature so I basically gave myself jet lag yeah, like I'd get back from it and be sort of like in a foreign country. But like I, I had all the negative effects of jet lag as well. Just didn't suit my body. Yeah, when I toured Italy, I couldn't believe that like even quiet acoustic gigs like mine would start at like 11 at night. And I'd be thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to get through it? Yeah, what do you, what do you do? <laughs> you know, how do you, yeah, it's really, what do you do all day? And then, so there you're sort of like still kind of like entertaining yourself at 9.30 because the show doesn't start till 11. And then you're like, your body's going, mm, bedtime. And you're like, not bedtime. 800 people waiting for you. 800, I wish. I think it was like... Wow, just made that. I don't know what that one. Two men and a, and a, and a mountain goat for me. <laughs> when you said just because I'm good at performing doesn't mean that that has to be the thing that I do. I've been really, really interested in that as well because realising how happy I am not on a big tour is huge for me. Yeah. I actually find performing brings all the... triggers all of the sort of paranoias and lack of worth that I have. But then when it's a good gig and I feel like I've connected to people, it's a massive high. No, I, th- I think it's really really complicated it's okay it's a bit like a packet of biscuits it's fine to have a couple but having a whole packet is not great and is going to lead to problems and I think it's just about everything else it's like balance it's just having balance doing too much performance is is too much it's too much for me and it's you know it's effectively searching for that high like you say you're willing to put up with all of these negative things on the off chance you get that, that was so great, I love it. And it's, and it is a form of addiction. And I think I've asked myself the question, do I need, because I am, I do have quite an addictive side to my personality. And it's like, that's an addiction I should really question. How much um, should I be searching for that high that comes from performing? Yeah. And actually, there's, as we know, there's a high from writing something really well. There's a high from, you know, getting that random email from someone saying, I've listened to your song from 2012 and I love it. You know, that thing of somebody reading your book that you'd forgotten you wrote. You know, those kind of lovely highs as well. There's all sorts of them. For me, it's about that spread. It's hard to do. And if somebody said, you know, do you want to headline Vegas every night for, for the next 10 years for a billion pounds? I would, I think I'd just go, are you kidding? No way. I just, I definitely couldn't do that. 
Couldn't really? do it. Couldn't. I literally could not do it. I would go mad. I wouldn't be able to sustain it. What about one year? Well, I'd say, could I do every Friday and Saturday for five years? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's sustainable. Well, I, I like the negotiating. Yeah, that's true. Even I'd be very happy with Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. I'm not looking for top billing. £20 and a bag of chips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The next question is quiet or noise. Do you like to read a book in silence or chat on the phone? Can you listen to music, the radio, podcast? What's your preferred, I don't know, whales? <laughs> as, as I've alluded to, I've got much more into sleep, sleep ritual. Or, oh, I did, um, so I studied hypnosis uh, quite a lot and I did a, a hypnosis for sleep course. So, I, so the phrase is sleep hygiene. So I'm very good at my sleep hygiene, preparing to sleep, what the bedroom is like, the quietness of that, the, you know, the comfort, the temperature, all of that stuff. I've got much better at all of that. So yeah, so I don't tend to do, I don't tend to do much actually. I do sort of put my, you know, all the bed, bed admin, the moisturising, all of that and then I do then I do the same set of exercises that I've done for years that I sort of made up myself which takes about 10 minutes and then I put myself to bed kits size yeah kits size what are these exercises they're basically just stretching and a bit of pilates kit lattes kit lattes <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is a good physical kind of wind down I've become I find it difficult now going to, sleeping in hotels because I'm just like what's that noise What's that light? And then it takes hours. I mean, it was always a bit like this, but now it takes me hours going around, covering up the, the, the uh, shaft of light from under the door, covering up the, the red light on the TV that can't be turned off, covering the red light on the coffee maker that can't be turned off and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it takes me ages. So that's part of my sleep hygiene. <laughs> so quiet, controlled environment. Yes. The LED investigator. <laughs> I did this. We, I did this project in this hotel. We took. A, we were given. I was creating a fake old people's home in the northeast, not far from you in Stockton. And we, we had a whole floor of a hotel, of a brand new ho- hotel. So I was. I had a whole floor of a hotel to play with. It was. It was really great fun. In the preparation week, I was given a really great room in this hotel. And I came down in the morning. And I said. I was driven mad because there's a, a flashing red light on the smoke alarm. So can you get somebody? And the hotel manager, who's a lovely man, said, oh, yeah, everyone complains about that. And I was like, because it's a flashing red light above <laughs> your head. And he said, oh, I've slept in those rooms loads. It doesn't bother me. And I was like, oh, what? It's a flash. I said, I basically, because I'd spent hours and I basically sort of managed to kind of construct something involving several pairs of pants to sort of like elasticate, to stop, to, to like, you know, cover it over. It's deeply dangerous because there's a flashing red light. It's like something from Guantanamo. And then this like guy's going, I don't know why everyone's so worried about it. I was like, you're a hotel. The least you can have is dark. If not a flashing light. He was like, oh, that's so valuable. Thanks. I'm like, wow. Now all I can think of is that you've invented a pants turban. Yes, exactly. Well, I, they needed the ones with the elastic, you know, I had to sort of employ the elastic to great effect. <laughs> can you remember a lullaby or a book or something that you were sang or read to as a child? Mm. My grandmother gave me a teddy bear with a, a wind-up mechanism in it, with like a music box mechanism in it, that played Ten Green Bottles. And I remember... Her, she wasn't very maternal or grand maternal 
I really loved her and she, I remember her singing along with that. I suppose it's quite, it's not mass, a lullaby really, but it's quite repetitive. Yeah, it's one of those things that just keeps going, especially if they start at 100 green bottles. <laughs> yes, exactly. Should accidentally fall. And yeah, sung slowly. That's the first thing that comes to mind. I have lots of sensual memories of, of, of that grandmother. And like I say, she wasn't, she wasn't very sort of warm and cuddly, but I, I remember very vividly being in the back of a car uh, and she was wearing a fur coat, you know, a real fur coat, um, snuggling into it and her talking, which she was very good at, and me falling asleep to the sound of her talking and snuggling into this, into this fur coat. And I must have been really tiny and obviously not in a car seat or not in a seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> now I think about it. Anyway, 10 green bottles 10 green bottles oh is there a song you would like to fall asleep to now well because it's in my head that june table song that i do think of probably at least two or three times a, a week sleep on child it is not yet dawn the love sun has not risen yet something like that i i fall asleep to my memory of that song and interesting i don't think i've actually listened to it for a really long time but i Perhaps I don't need to. I've got the I've got the intention of it. Oh wow, the memory record player! What a beautiful thought. Mm. I quoted um I quoted a line from Mrs. Dalloway the other day, which I think about a lot, and discussed it a uh, great in depth. And then I went, oh, maybe I should go back and check what that quote really is. It was absolutely nothing like I'd quoted, and um and mine was of course mine was mine. It was inspired by that, but it was actually much more developed and and more mine, obviously, but. Yes, it was like a fantastic... And I was thinking, it's like a cover version of a quote. (laughs) (laughs) I'd done sort of like a great... I'd done like my John Lewis Christmas ad version of the original Virginia Woolf quote. And it was only tangentially related to it. Uh, a, mem- a memory song. Gina's not in a, petition, in, a, in a position to argue, is she? So, <laughs> no. yeah. I would just like to wish you a beautiful sleep tonight. And thank you so much for being on my podcast, Kit Green. Oh, thank you. Happy sleep to you too. Mm-hmm.